Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? You need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, my friends. Grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. I'm your host, Brenda Neckbottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new best practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey y'all, I'd like to welcome you back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. This show is designed to help take the guesswork out of understanding the human resource component and push through the ambiguity of this changing landscape. I'm Brenda, your host and practicing HR consultant. I've seen a lot of different things done a lot of different ways, and I'm here to help you weed through the abyss of human resource information and help take out the stress of defining your best practices. So who is this podcast for? Well, it's for anybody who's in a position of managing human capital in what I call a micro-organization or small or growing business. There's a great deal of compliance that needs to be met, and having that information and the guidance to implement it month over month is key and very beneficial to your efforts. If you are a returning listener, thank you, oh my gosh, so much for your continued support. I'm really grateful that you continue to join me on this adventure. If this is your first time listening in, we've got another really great show that's going to help you move your HR objectives forward. So in today in the studio, we've got Lola, the veteran comfort dog, who may chime in periodically, and her assistant champ, the lovable wonder dog. But most importantly, we're going to talk about um, today's hot topic, which we're actually going to forego so that we can focus in on the actual um, message of today's episode. A couple of employment law changes across the nation. Our topic that we're going to talk about is a pretty serious one, probably the most serious one yet. And if you're an HR practitioner, um, it's it's probably been on your mind or writing on you just a little bit. Um, And if if it hasn't, it's going to at some point in time. Um, We're going to look at uh, the Aurora, Illinois shooting that took place last month um, with a very special guest of mine, um, U.S. Navy SEAL Joe Hahn. Um, also have a couple announcements for you, uh, some more free resources, which are powerful and useful resources that I am consistently excited to share with you, and then our quote of the episode. So before I begin, uh, the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not for the purpose of providing any legal advice. Uh, if you have questions, you should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, please feel free to contact us and we will be able to possibly help refer you uh, to one through our affiliates program. So some call-outs for employment law changes, uh, some things that are making the headlines. Um, this is a particular one that um, I've been watching. matter of fact, I had a conversation about it the other day with um, an employment attorney friend of mine who will, <clears throat> at some point in time, you'll meet her on the, ep- on, uh, the podcast series. But we were, we were talking about how marijuana is impacting the workplace. And in Michigan, um, what has come out of the Court of Appeals, the Michigan Marijuana Act, otherwise known as the MMMA, 
did not provide a course of action for an appellant <clears throat> for an applicant excuse me whose conditional job offer from the city of lansing was rescinded after testing positive for marijuana during a pre-employment drug test now what's significant about what's going on is the fact that you know at the federal level the use of marijuana is prohibited and federal contractors see this they run into these challenges but at the state levels the states are now pushing against the fed and they're creating their own limits of what is deemed viable and not viable in the eyes of the state law and in specific <clears throat> is the use of medical marijuana so what's interesting about this is that this is the second decision involving failed drug testing on American marijuana and the MMMA both decisions were actually ruled in the employees favor which is now starting to set a precedence for future actions in the state so according to the brief that I read <clears throat> the courts determined that the MMMA did not make mer medical marijuana users a protected class and did not provide an independent right protecting the medical use of marijuana in all circumstances. So other stipulations and outcomes from this case also involved the awarding of unemployment benefits. So you guys can see how wonky this is really getting and how complex it is. And um, I, I, mark my words, it's if, if there isn't a briefing in the Supreme Court right now, um, which I'm pretty sure they think there is one actually um, it's it's gonna come and basically what's gonna come down to is is the Fed gonna eventually reestablish that marijuana is no longer on <clears throat> you know the top tier schedule or is it gonna start to you know revisit that and release um, it as a controlled substance so uh, stay tuned on that one because that's that's gonna be really interesting and, and the way our the way our national landscape is changing, uh, both my friend and I, when we were talking, certainly feel that, you know, eventually the government's just going to have to, they're going to have to make an adjustment. Okay, so California, out of the Ninth Circuit Court, uh, there was a decision, up, there's some decisions that have been upheld around uh, the employer and service providers, liability and background checks, as well as call-in pay services and payroll provider liability. So um, for those of you that are, you know, using payroll providers or using any type of call-in pay service or even background checks in the state of California, um, you know, don't, don't hesitate to take some time and sit down and talk with your vendors and better understand what is the response and what is coming of this because they'll be happy to share that information with you. Um, on the radar, <clears throat> folks out in Colorado, keep this uh, on the this is on the horizon and it's more than likely will get passed uh, but there is an equal pay bill that is continuing to gain momentum um, it's actually just heard was heard in the Senate on the state Senate so uh, it also has amendments as well so make sure that you're watching for that and then last um, for those of you um, if you're a listener performing the HR function with 250 employees or you are operating in what is called a designated industry and if you're in it you probably know it um, and you have fewer than 250 employees your deadline for filing the 2018 OSHA 300A report was March 2nd so that was Saturday uh, this past Saturday if you are not sure what to do with with that report if it hasn't been filed with the deadline now being passed due uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to kind of help point you in the right direction there.
All right, so I have whipped through that very quickly and actually consolidated and condensed the first half of what we would n- normally go through um, on this podcast because I really want to focus in on this particular subject. And um, that is the very sad and unfortunate shooting that took place in Aurora, Illinois on February 15th this year. Um, we have a special guest uh, who's going to be joining us in a little bit, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about him. But like I said earlier, this is something that hit home for me big time. There was a lot of self-reflection that I took on this because the folks that were involved um, and, and were unfortunately killed was the HR manager, um, also was an HR intern who was there on the very first day, and the union representative that was in this meeting during a separation. And, and we're going to review those details as we get into the actual interview with Joe. So I'm, I'm not going to take you down that right now. But ultimately, I spent a great deal of time really thinking through or thinking about the termination meetings I've held in the past, the preparations that I took the guidance I provided other managers and all the effort um, that I put into ensuring the smoothest termination discussion discussion possible. Um, I was also thinking about similar guidance that I've provided and advice um, to my clients over the years as well. Um, unfortunately, the truth is that work by, workplace violence isn't going anywhere anytime fast. Um, in this case, and why I feel this episode is, in, is so important, is the lives lost during the termination meeting as well as the other employees who were killed and injured and the law enforcement officers who were also injured in the line of duty um, this needs to be talked about so brief details I mentioned earlier the instance took place on Friday February 15th it took place at the Henry Pratt Company building um, in which a, a union employee was being terminated um, like I said, we're going to review more details in the interview with our guests, but before we move into that segment, we want to first share our condolences to the families who suffered the loss of their loved ones, the families of the shooter, Gary Martin, and the team at Henry Pratt Company. Um, we also would like to acknowledge the officers who responded to ensure the safety of the public as well as the six officers who were injured in the line of duty, and those individuals were John Sabluski, James Zager, Ronaldo Rivera, Marco Gomez, Adam Miller, and Diego Avila. So thank you, gentlemen, uh, for what you have provided and and all those first responders, everybody for your service. Lastly, before I share my interview with Joe, I want to share some additional insights. First and foremost, there is no winner, no victor in this situation. None. None whatsoever. Although it's easy to make the shooter out to be a bad guy, Um, In a February 16th article published in USA Today, those that were interviewed and knew Gary Martin were totally shocked that he reacted the way he did. It was a complete broadside to everything that they knew who this man was and who he was to them. As I was reading the article, you know, he would provide comfort to those, uh, to, you know, one person that had lost a family member and was in mourning. He was always very jovial. Um, gave compliments to, you know, the convenience store manager uh, in in an effort to help promote another individual, saying he did a really great job, and he did it unsolicited. So th- those aren't characteristics that 
you know, somebody would say like, oh yeah, this guy's turning into an active shooter, or, you know, he's gonna, you know, do what he did. Well, he did. And, and it just goes to show you that everybody is shocked and surprised. His family <clears throat> was not only shocked and surprised at the, at the way he reacted to the chain of events, but they are, they also are enduring the loss of their loved one as well. And they carry with them that story. That's who they are now known for, which is also very unfortunate. So this episode also is not about gun laws or gun control. We're not going there, right? This episode is about awareness of the human condition and how volatile it can actually be. Uh, no matter how well you think you know somebody, and the key word there that I used was think, <clears throat> you never know how someone will react when they're faced with high-stress situations in life. The Department of Homeland Security, I want to I share this with you because if you've not done any active shooter training and you don't understand the progression this will help out a little bit and also put some things into context too. So the Department of Homeland Security came up with the training of, for the five stages of an active shooter or how they go from a low threat to a high threat. They are the fantasy stage which is where the person is having daydreams of shooting. Uh, the planning stage is where they are identifying who, what, where, when, how and how to execute. Uh, the preparation stage obtaining supplies, performing surveillance, and making sure that that plan is solid. Um, the approach stage, <clears throat> which are plans are in place and the shooter has decided to act. And that is the most deadly stage at this point in time. And then finally the implementation stage is where the shooter actually opens fires and stops until either the shooter runs out of ammo, runs out of victims, or is stopped themselves. In this case, the police did not find any evidence of the fantasy stage or the planning stage. And so far, that I've, and I'll, and I'll share with you that I have yet to see any media coverage or any reports or any statements from Aurora, at least that I have not come across, that indicate that this was a, a premeditated act. Um, <clears throat> we can clearly see, though, that. Martin was prepared by bringing his weapon into the work and concealing it, which, in fairness, you could say was the preparation stage. He did engage, uh, being that it was the approach stage, and he fired during the implement sta implementation stage. What I will tell you is that in my firm belief, and we'll talk about this in the interview with Joe, and it is, I, it is a Joe's opinion as well, is that this was an emotional reaction on behalf of the shooter. Um, the fact that he did have a concealed weapon um, is when his welfare was at risk and he became violent. And, um, you know, that's, that's a reaction. There's two ways of addressing something in life. You have a response and a reaction. And in his case, um, when his personal welfare and his ability to survive in this world became, was put at risk, his response was to react. And his reaction, unfortunately, um, you know, took out the lives of several people. So there are a number of aspects to consider. So I'd like to move on and introduce uh, today's guest. Uh, my guest on today's episode is a, a very is an awesome guy, a uh, very talented man who I've had the honor and pleasure of working with as he's progressed from his retirement from the SEAL teams um, and really pursued his passion and pursued his dream in business. 
Uh, Joe Hahn is the owner and CEO of Integrated Tactical Training, LLC. And the company was established to bring world, real-world experience and multiple training techniques to law enforcement, military, private security companies, and American citizens. Real-world scenarios such as threat assessments, active shooter situations, and how to handle yourself in an exchange of gunfire can not only better prepare you, but can give you the tools to save your life. By tapping into his experience from multiple types of deployments, he can educate and provide awareness to everyday life. From home defense, personal defense, basic and advanced pistol and rifle courses, his goal is to self-empower individuals to have more control of their outcome in dangerous situations. Joe graduated third in his high school class, earning multiple scholarships to tech, attend Texas A&M University and College Station for a biomedical science degree. While attending college, he volunteered to serve after our great nation was attacked. Joe spent 13 years in the United States Navy as a Special Operator First Class SEAL. After completing BUDS, he was stationed on the West Coast team where he deployed multiple times in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom from 2005 until 2009. In 2009, Joe completed rigor the rigorous training selection for Naval Special Warfare Development Group. From there, he deployed three times to Afghanistan in support of Operation Enduring Freedom and other undisclosed locations worldwide. During these deployments, he was involved in hundreds of capture and kill missions of the top terrorists worldwide, personal security detail for U.S. generals, state officials, and foreign officials alike. Joe also conducted multiple advanced special operations which utilized tracking, following, and surveillance on multiple persons of interest. He also developed and coordinated foreign internal defense training of Iraqi, Afghanistan, and other foreign special forces units. Some of his awards include the Purple Heart, Joint Meritorious Service Medal. He is a three-time recipient of the Navy Marine Corps Commendation Medal with Combat Valor, two-time recipient of the Combat Action Award, and two-time recipient of the Presidential Unit Commendation, just to name a few. Joe can be found on his website in www.integratedtacticaltraining.com. You can also follow him on Facebook at Integrated Tactical Training and Instagram at Integrated underscore Tactical underscore Training. Folks, I'd like to welcome my friend, Joe Hahn. All right, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I tell you're out on the road, which is awesome, so thank you for taking the time to do this. Oh, my pleasure, Brenda. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Joe, can you please just give us a, a quick, very quick rundown of your background and the company that you work for and, and what it is that you do? So, I spent 13 and a half years in the Navy, Special Operations Community. Um, medically retired May of 2017 started my own uh, training uh, company to uh, take a lot of the experience that I learned in the military, transfer that to law enforcement, civilians, um, better ways to really protect themselves, but uh, how to utilize uh, their tools and weapons as, as, uh, as they carry in everyday life more responsibly and uh, more accurately. And I know you do also do some security work as well, special assignments, you know, both domestically and internationally as well. Is that correct? You still you still doing that? I do. I do. Very good. So it's you know we come from a world where spotting spotting a threat and spotting a hazard is a very important thing to tackle. Yep. 
Got it. So let me let me run down exactly what it is that we're talking about today. So, um, and, and part of this is that the, the, this particular situation rang just rang a big bell for me um, when I was watching this unfold. Uh, so back on Friday, February fifteenth, two thousand nineteen, um, Gary Martin <clears throat> was an employee of Henry Pratt Company out in Aurora, Illinois. Um, he was, as he was going through his termination meeting, he was a union employee, was being terminated, um, actually brought in a concealed weapon, and during his meeting, he shot the HR manager, he shot the plant manager, well, excuse me, he shot the HR manager, he shot a mold operator, and an HR intern, which is, I believe, the three people that were in the meeting. I'm pretty sure, I know for sure the manager, the HR manager and the HR intern one, I'm pretty sure it was the mold operator. When he was done, as he was leaving that room, he also shot and killed the plant manager and the stockroom attendant, so all five people died. In addition to that, he also shot uh, several uh, police officers um, serving in the line of duty. Um, this was you know, an unbelievable event that took place. Um, he does um, have somewhat of a violent history, and, and I really want to talk about today, really focusing on, on, you know, what we need to do to just be vigilant and be prepared. So some other details that have come out of this, which um, even though that there's, you know, it's starting to settle down, but there's a number of other things that have taken place. So back in... Ah, where did I put it? Back in 1995 in Mississippi, he was arrested for uh, a felony under aggravated assault, served two and a half years of, a, I believe, a five-year sentence. He had six additional arrests in Aurora, Illinois, including domestic violence and uh, violating an order of protection. Um, but his biggest conviction stemmed from uh, beating his uh, beating his girlfriend with a baseball bat and stabbing her as well. Um, <clears throat> turned out that the state of Illinois did issue him back in 2014 uh, the state firearms card that is required in order for an individual to purchase a, a firearm. And about a month later, when he was attempting to obtain a concealed uh, permit, it was discovered because his fingerprints were on file and they ran his background um, that he was a convicted felon in the state of Illinois. I reached out to him uh, in a documented letter that required him. They also revoked his, they revoked the Illinois card, and they also informed him that he um, was no longer, he was not permitted to own a firearm, and that they required him to return the weapon and to turn it in. However, um, police are still in, are still researching, uh, and I'm sure some more details have come up since now, but that. Um, that if what that whether or not that there was follow-up to ensure that the weapon was actually returned turned out that it wasn't it was the weapon that was actually used that he purchased and uh, amongst his family and reading some of their comments um, that there was absolutely no indication in his home and amongst his daily life that he was anticipating this particular type of shooting um, so he's a 15-year employee of this facility um, there was no in information as to why he was being separated from the organization, but being that is a union environment, it does take quite a bit um, to move forward in, in separating. So typically it's never a surprise with anything. So 
Um, yeah. So just initial thoughts, Joe. Uh, just, I mean, we don't have a lot of information. Uh, initial thoughts coming out of you, you know, this isn't going to be the first time that an employee is being terminated. It won't be the last. But just based off of your, what, what you've heard and, and what we've talked about, what are just some of the things that come to you? Well, so it sounds uh, eerily familiar. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about the uh, Moore, Oklahoma. Similar mm -hmm. incident, but instead of a, a firearm, the gentleman used a butcher knife because they worked at a plant, and he beheaded, actually, the HR representative back in 2014. Um, yeah. Same thing. He uh, was getting fired, and, and he didn't agree with it. Um, so, obviously, there's a lot of people out there that, that promote gun control, and you, they got to realize that that's not the uh, that's not the end state. That um, uh, this guy would have uh, committed the act, whether it would have been with a firearm, with a baseball bat, and his girlfriend, or anything else. Um, just the violent tendencies of this of this of this guy. People have violent tendencies, and bad people intend to use those violent tendencies. Um, something that uh, it's kind of hard to say that that it happened without without uh, cause or, or, or tell. Um, definitely, uh, as an HR rep and coworkers, something had been reported on this guy for some reason, way, shape, or form, with his history that he's a violent individual. Um, yeah. Should have been steps taken towards towards that. Um, where, heck, you know, not really sure how he's going to react. So, uh, I, you know, you prepare for the tornado and only hope for the windstorm. You know. Right, and you know, and that's that's the other thing too is that I mean, you know, it, it this particular story. There's not a lot of information that's out there <clears throat> that will provide us, you know, with that that depth and breadth of um, you know, an understanding as to why he was being separated. We don't know if he was a, a less than stellar employee. We don't know if this was a reduction in force. You know, we don't have those details. And, and honestly, I don't think that we're going to. And, and, and I agree with you that, you know, especially this discussion, this isn't a discussion about gun control. This is a discussion about making sure that, you know, all professionals, small businesses, even if you don't have an HR professional, that we're taking time to think through, okay, so what are the risk factors involved? Um, you know, in, in your in your lifetime, you know, in your profession, what would be something good that you could offer, something that could really help people start to think through, okay, I have to separate with this individual, what are some things that people that you would recommend people be mindful of? Um, history, you know, people are creatures of habit. Um, yeah. As much as people want to say that people do things out of nowhere and kind of react, there's always a buildup. Whether it's something going on at home, something going on in the workplace among his coworkers, something going on, you know, other places. There's tells and indicators um, that people should be aware of. So situational awareness is a big thing. Being mindful of your employees. Like you should, employees are, are taken for granted a lot of the time as pawns or dispensable and no one wants to invest that time in the employees to get to know the people, get to know their background because stuff happens. If he's, if he's mm -hmm. getting fired because he showed up work for several times, instead of getting stuck on that part of, oh, he's late for work every day. You know, why is he late for work? So something going on at the house, you know, is he constantly in a fight with, 
know, somewhere at the house, his spouse, significant other, his mom, uh, she's sick. Is he run on money troubles? Is he gambling? Is he have some type of addiction? There's there's factors that go into him being late for work or not performing up to standard as he used to. If he's been 15 years there, then obviously he he's had some pretty good stretches. You know, he wasn't fired within the first couple months, couple mm-hmm. years. No, so not at all. It's, 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 it's something that something that's come up in his personal life. Um, because people are always affected by people are people are a product of their environment. So a lot of somebody that's put under a lot of stress, one way, shape, or form, is going to react. You know, any right. any animal in that nature. You, you you cage up a lion, you're going to get bit, and you're going to wonder why I bit you. because you cage them up, and you put them under a lot of stress. Um, right. I'm not defending this guy for sure. His actions are, are completely completely erroneous. Uh, it's just uh, there's as, as a professional um, employer, an HR representative. The big thing is. You gotta know your people. That's uh, mm-hmm. you gotta know, you know, almost take that investigator role. And think, why? Why is this person being late? Not oh, we gotta fire this guy because he's late all the time. He's costing us money. That's not the way to look at it. Because that's the way. That's how you overlook things, and that's how you uh, don't take it in the whole situation into account. You know, this isn't uh, we aren't computer programs. You can't hit delete, and all of a sudden everything just goes away, and we move on with our day. Um, right. There's some people, depending on their tendencies. Um, can make that more difficult, or some people can let it go real easy. But I mean, this guy had spent 15 years of his life at this company, and this is his, been his his livelihood. You know, this is how he takes care of whatever he's got to take care of uh, outside of work. And you're you're basically taking taking that whole part of his life, and you're telling that it was useless at it. So that's uh, you got to take that into account while addressing individuals like that. Any individual, you know. Yeah. So you brought up a you brought up a point knowing your people. Um, some of the things that I've been reading up on this particular is I've been you know following the details of this uh, one media outlet. I don't remember which one it was. Did actually put out some form of speculation <clears throat> whether or not criminal convictions show up on a background check or not, especially from those going back that far. Um, and if that's the case, so you know his. When he started working for the company, it was around 2004 in Illinois. Um, I was working up in, in Wisconsin at the time, and um, we had both Wisconsin and Illinois employees. So even if something did not show up on a criminal background check, um, there's, there still is, or at the time, a well-written job application would have had a section in there that said, "Have you ever committed? Have you ever been convicted of a felony?" And in the state of Wisconsin, you can't have that language. However, in the state of Illinois, you could at that time. So, you know, there would have been another kind of catch for all, so to speak, um, that could have at least indicated that if the company didn't run a background check or the background check came back with, you know, information that you know, didn't go back all the way to the time period when he was convicted. I think, what did I say, 1995, um, that there was an opportunity for the employee to actually, you know, make that comment. Now, granted, um, he could have not said, if it was on there, he could have answered it. No, I've, I've never been convicted of a felony and just rolled the dice and taken the chance with it. Um, so, you know, there are some states right now that, don't permit people to ask that question anymore during the application process. 
And so for individuals that are operating in that state, if you're not doing background checks right now and your employees, you really do need to. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, one, being humans, we all, you know, be a devil's advocate here. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We get jammed up in situations. Um, two, if, you, if you're going to have, if you want to know that question, answer that question, whether you put it on the application or not, you need the resources to do a thorough and complete background check. Mm-hmm. To have a question, people need to realize that it does cost money, um, but just skip out on that or do it to every other employee. You're like, oh, this guy sounds pretty cool, and he said no. So um, even if somebody says no, you got to take that chance and, and run that background check. Um, it's, it's part of getting to know your getting to know your people. Like um, some felonies, some felony, some felons out there are awesome workers. They're reformed. Hey, yeah, I made a mistake, and a lot of them will admit up to it and. And they're probably yeah. the best friends at all. One of those things that, hey, people are young at some point, and they make stupid mistakes, and, and stuff happens. But in this yeah. case, had a, a lengthy, uh, you know, lengthy rap sheet, per se, where he repeatedly um, got in trouble uh, with felonies and misdemeanors, assault and battery. So it's, it's one of those things that, all right, he didn't make just one mistake, and all right, just like, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff he should have took into account. Um, uh, as, as yeah. HR and, and you know, the company, you know, yeah, and you know, look, and, and like you said, like earlier, you got taken into context, right? Now, when you're doing a background check on something, and, and, and I'll share with you a guy that I interviewed years and years and years ago, so you know. There's a difference if somebody if you're if you're interviewing an older gentleman, middle-aged gentleman, who all of a sudden he says, "Listen, I have a DUI on my record, and it was only one, and it happened 25 years ago." Okay, you know what? You're right. People do make mistakes. You know, he was in the you know he was just fresh out of the gate in life. It's never happened again. He's assured me, you know, I don't drink. I've never been convicted before <clears throat> or afterwards. And, you know, it's just, uh, it was a one-time thing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Um, you know, I had a I had a gentleman that, same thing. He's like, you know, he indicated on his application that he actually had a conviction for a DUI. And it was relatively recent. It was within about five months after he applied. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, Everything he, everything else he had on his application, he had on his resume, high-performing individual. I sat down. I gave him an extremely thorough, uh, you know, job interview. I had another person also interview him in depth and detail and, you know, have a very wide set of eyes. We did a full, you know, help you understand what this job is about, did a full job preview, took him on a tour, sat down, and I asked him at the very end, I said, I got one question for you. And he's like, what's that? And I said, it's the big one that's on your app. <clears throat> and he goes, yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get to it. And I said, so can you tell me more about what happened? Short version was he and his buddy decided that they were going to watch the fights on TV. Um, the whole plan was for him to go over to his buddy's house, have a, you know several beers, and uh, he was going to stack out over there. Well, it turned out that the plan switched, yep. and the buddy wound up coming over to his place. But the buddy has a bad case of asthma and didn't bring his inhaler. So after you know a couple of beers, <clears throat> um, his pal starts having an asthma attack. They only lived just a few blocks from each other, so they get into the car. 
They go down. Something happened where he caught the attention of a passing officer and got pulled over. In the meantime, his buddy's asthma attack continues to get worse. They wound up calling the ambulance. They wheeled his pal off, off to the hospital, and they took this applicant away. And he told me, he said, look, he says, I knew what the risks were. He said, my friend was on the verge of going into what he ultimately did go into, and we had a chance to stop it. Um, I took the chance. I got into a car. I got caught. I went to court. I admitted it. And I've done everything that the court has asked me to do up to this point. And he looked me deadpan in the eyes and he says, I got to tell you something. He says, if I was asked to do this again, if I had to go through this again to take care of my pal who, who really had a hard time with that, he said he didn't get released from the hospital for like two days. He goes, I would do it again. So yeah. there's a big difference, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, huge difference. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this just this one just hits home. This one hits home for a lot of HR professionals. I would not doubt. Um, and then on top of it, you know, we're, like literally five days later, um, in the headlines is you know a gentleman that was arrested in the Coast Guard um, who was planning a mass terrorist attack that was modeling from Anders Breivik. If you recall him, he was the far right anti-Muslim. Norwegian nationalist who was convicted in 2011 of two terror attacks that killed 77 people. Wow. Yeah, but that's a whole different ball of wax as far as the the premeditated stuff versus yeah. the reactive stuff. I mean, the guy definitely sounded like he was planning that for a while. Um, if he had the resources to do it, that means it's something that Premeditated violence is uh, definitely different than uh, reactive violence. Kind of yeah. what happened with the Illinois case. Um, it wasn't planned for weeks and months in advance. It was like he got upset, mostly responded, um, which is the wrong choice. And definitely people need to prepare for both of them. But understanding that you got to know your risk risk analysis. You know, definitely HR mm -hmm. people should kind of know risk assessments and risk analysis, and that goes with people, not just. Uh, jobs and, and uh, positions what so have you uh, encountered any uh dangerous situations like that in your hr experience there brenda um i have um it both indirectly and directly um indirectly uh years ago when i was working for um a mega corporation we were part of a reduction in force and i, I kind of i was impacted by that um the company was just downsizing you know, to save money, and it made sense at the time. And so um, when I had walked into work, I had, first off, I had seen the writing on the wall a year prior to that. So I was re I was ready for it financially, emotionally. Um, I walked in through the door, and I saw two undercover police officers in the lobby of the building, and I was very suspect as to what was going on that day, and I kind of anticipated um, something was coming down. Sure enough, you know, over the course of three days, um, you know, they had separated, I think they issued like 128 separation letters. Uh, I was one of them. I was probably like 115 or something like that. But, um, <clears throat> and, you know, and that was just, that's just smart thinking on their part, uh, just to have that, that presence. And everything was very well thought out, very well coordinated um, and uh, carried out. Um, when I've been sitting in the practitioner seat, there were two situations Um one more serious than the other, um, and without a lot of detail, 
one gentleman I was very, very concerned about. And we also spent a good deal of time working with the base and base security that when it came time to have the conversation with this gentleman about what he was being accused of and why we needed to do um, an investigation, I actually wound up having it in this, the conversation in the security office and uh, subsequently at the end of the investigation, you know, we made the decision to go ahead and separate from him. And as cold-hearted as this sounds, because of the type of concerns that we had with him, um, we separated with him over the phone. But the biggest yeah. thing that I made sure was my communication was very clear with him. But most importantly, we treated him like a human being. And that is extremely important. We didn't cast dispersions on him. I actually, at the end of it, he admitted to doing what he did. And um, it didn't necessarily make me sleep well at night, but it definitely eased some of the pressure because when you get that admonishment, um, you know, it does tend to purge a little bit. But at the end of the day, when you have somebody who's, you know, in a situation, a condition like him, um, and he's sitting there stewing, and now his life is really complicated because he's not getting a steady paycheck. His benefits are about ready to run out, and he's got child support. You know that can that can add the pressure right back up again. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, for sure. And yeah. The, I don't know. In my opinion, HR. If you're a good HR person, you know you feel let somebody go for your company, depending on what it is. Um, mm -hmm suggesting or helping them out how to continue you know it's definitely tough for somebody just to kind of abruptly stop so it's like having a being on a train and then you try to start stop the train on a track it's going right. to fall upon you so um right having that uh having those options even if it's just like hey you know a job fair coming up or something like that or hey look at this i think you'd be good at this you know if you get to know your people good enough it's you got to able to you know suggest that stuff to them make it feel easy about easier as a person like you said treat them as a human um about you know their termination whether it be one way shape or form you know yeah because um, at the end of the day you got to remain professional you know, can't be emotionally involved you start making emotional the more emotional you are the more emotional they get and, it, and people feed off people you know right panic and panic I, feeds off panic yeah and i and you know what in a situation like this there i mean in my my experience, and I've done quite a few separations, but you know what, being being strong but compassionate at the same time does tend to carry you very far. But you know, don't be fooled that people people are people do whatever it takes to protect themselves, and you actually have to do the same thing. Which you know, hence is the job that you're in. And you know, a year and a half, actually, still to this day. I'm still very mindful of that one individual. Um, you know, I kept a, an eye on what he was doing in the world. And, um, you know, people would tell me what he was up to. And it just sounded like, you know, once I heard that he was reemployed and life was settling down, I could finally, me personally, I could finally, re I could finally relax a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of be able to know your people and, and know mm -hmm. how irrational or rational they can be. Obviously, yeah, depending on a lot of things. And you know, something too is that people are very people nervous about. Yeah, and people are very nervous about sharing what they see. And you've probably run into yeah. this in your career. So somebody, 
somebody's not looking or behaving well, people tend to not want to say anything because they don't want to be typecast. Yeah, they don't. I also feel like they don't want to feel like tattletales or whatnot, and it's always yeah. a crappy thing because it's like, hey, you know, you really want to get your buddy help or your coworker, and you want to make people aware of it. There's ways to go about it without being typecast or or feel, feeling like you're alien. Yeah. Um, but people don't realize yeah. that, so that's kind of one of the things when I talked about, you know, violence in the workplace with some places uh, I've been to. Uh, it's like, hey, you know, maybe people need best buddy, and you're like, man, I'm not gonna tell my boss about this, but you gotta tell somebody. Um, right. And you gotta keep track of that stuff because a lot of stuff can build up really fast, and you're not telling them, guy. You're not trying to get him fired. You're trying to get him help. If he's an asset to the, you know, the business, you know, you gotta protect those assets. You know, people, people are, are the greatest assets a company can have. Um, right. Hiring, firing isn't isn't gonna do any good because you gotta take all that time, train somebody else. You get somebody training there, and they hopefully done a good job over the long run. It's one of those things you got to get that person help, you know? Well, Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time again to join us. I know you're running off to your next adventure, but um, thank you very much. Anything else that you want to add before we sign off? Um, no, just, you know, take the time to put the, put that time into your people, you know, invest in your people. And that's the, the best way you're going to, uh, there's, can't say avoid situations. People always want to do stuff to avoid things. Um, but better prepares you. You want to increase your survivability in everything you do. So unlike what we've done in past episodes, I want to share some important takeaways and some best practices in dealing with the unpredictable nature of people and apply it to the workforce. First, you must build a culture where employees are encouraged to report suspicious behavior. For instance, the San Bernardino shooting it was another unfortunate, actually was a terrorist attack in 2015, um, happened where 14 people were killed and 22 were seriously injured at the Inland Regional Center. Um, the employee's behavior was observed but never reported by those who observed it. And that was mainly observed by neighbors, as I remember that story very vividly. Make sure that you're establishing a confidential and effective process for collecting such information. Train your employees on what to do during a crisis. If you need recommendations on who to call that can help you guys assess your organization and provide that type of consideration, contact me and let me know and we'll be more than happy to refer you to several high, highly credible resources. Highly, highly credible. This is what they do. Make sure that you train your employees on emergency procedures. Uh, this should involve things like knowing where the exits are, what to do in the event of an active shooter event, and any other type of unique alarm uh, that sounds off in your building. Understand and recognize warning signs of potential violence. Um, Learn to understand what threats look like, both direct and indirect threats. Aggressive behavior comes into play. Uh, drastic mood swings and anger control issues. Uh, those who have fascination with violence or incidents in the news that are of a violent nature. Um, in the when we were talking to Joe, um, the the situation that I was referencing, I had that gentleman that I separated from had a tendency to focus in on things. Um, that were not quite at that level, but they were disturbing. We'll just leave it at that. Um, it just, it was 
like 20 degrees off normal and it just they're not things that normal that people would normally think about on a regular basis major life problems those tend to show up and create a lot of stress for individuals uh, showing off owned weapons or displaying weapons at work is another indicator and that can also include the consistent display of weapons in the images on Facebook and I'm not talking about memes I'm not talking about you know funny military things or you know patriotic uh, messages I'm referring to photographs of the actual individual holding their weapons not at the firing range not you know what you see on YouTube everybody's got a video on how to do this like the DIY videos I'm talking about boasting I'm talking about bragging I'm talking about look and see what I've got those those are indicators okay be very let's be very very clear on what it is that you should look for um, when somebody is displaying or showing off their weapons it's total bragging and it is um, they can also brag in the way of look how tough I am and look for sudden changes in their personal daily and work habits and I'm talking about drastic 180 changes I'm not talking about you know they go and get coffee usually at 9 a.m. and they're 10 minutes late that's not what I'm referring to another one is displaying a constant victim mentality um, and again the gentleman that I had spoken about earlier um, did demonstrate some of that um, it was always something was happening to him by somebody else um, later come to find out during my investigation that quite a bit of it was actually made up stories but it was still that victim mentality that was coming out and then anybody who demonstrates issues with substance abuse such as or any type of substances alcohol or drugs and if you're seeing that increase in their life or are suspect of that you know look Joe said you know we work with these people <clears throat> you don't want to rat people out but the goal is to get people help and um, you know if we can prevent something tragic from happening um, then you know what there's nothing wrong with stepping up with the best of intentions and the best nature of your own heart to say something's off so we're going to wrap this up today and you know understand folks that the practice of human resources doesn't have to be as arduous as it may appear and and we just got done really talking about a very 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 heavy topic that requires a lot of thinking a lot of consideration and really utilizing your resources and people who have experience in this area to help you as an organization manage through something extremely difficult um, in the short time that we've been together today we've weeded through a few topics that make the landscape of human resources a moving target um, we're here to help you define your gold standard in human capital management and help you solve complex problems that come with employment and managing your people and help you keep into the know on current and developing changes in the employment landscape alright so as I promised earlier in the show uh, we do have free resources we got free resource for you today we are continuing to provide you with the strike force energy drink bonus offering we mentioned strike force energy drinks in our wellness podcasts earlier this year and we're going to give you an opportunity to save money while you kick the can to other energy drinks in the market strike force energy is a sugar-free no calorie healthier alternative to other energy drinks on the market you can choose from the individual packets or their pump bottles found in four flavors my still personally is grape make America grape again I love that I have a t-shirt they gave me on that one 
It was a lot of fun. Anyway, visit Strike Force Energy and enter the code AFL Brenda. That's A as in Alpha, S as in Fox, L as in Lima, my name Brenda, 4552 to receive 20% off the retail price of Strike Force. You can also find more important information about Strike Force on our affiliates page at bestpractices.org. Lastly, I know how confusing it is to keep track of all the compliance deadlines required in this field, as well as how to and when to find the time to engage in all other proactive HR pieces. I've created an HR calendar for 2019 that lists all the compliance deadlines to relieve the tension of having to figure out these things for yourself. The calendar includes mandatory filing deadlines, nationally recognized holidays, as well as a few best practice recommendations sprinkled in. It's a bunch of compliance information consolidated into one page. Print it, pin it up in your office, and use it as a tool to help you keep all those parts and pieces of the HR puzzle connected. To download this free tool, visit the website at bestpractices.org and click on the link at the bottom of the page. And you know, I'd love to hear from you guys. If you're struggling with a particular HR issue, don't be shy. Reach out. We're here to help you be successful. This is, this is what we do. Um, best place to start is to visit the website at bestpractices.org. You can go ahead and schedule a call with us and, and request a needs analysis meeting to identify you know, strategic opportunities aligning with your business objectives. And you know what? You may not have anything significant to speak with us about and scheduling a call or requesting a meeting doesn't make sense and that's fine. But if you like what you heard today and you know you need to stay up to date on important changes and continue to get advice on how to work with them, then visit bestpractices.org click subscribe and sign up today to have our best practices delivered to your inbox, including podcast show updates like this one. In light of today's episode and the events that have taken place, this quote is for those leaders out there. Our, you know what? Our world is full of unknowns, ambiguity, and conflicting data. Do what's right, no matter how hard it gets. And remember that courage is the art of being the only one who knows that you're scared to death. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm out, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.